Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 89. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, we're going to be talking about why bonds may not be able to return anywhere near as much as they did over the past 30 years on a decade-by-decade decade basis. But really is, um, you know, bonds a lot of times are used in classic portfolios. They might be used in, let's say, a 60-40 portfolio where you have 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. I've heard some people say, well, 70-30 is the new 60-40, kind of a play on, you know, 50 is the new 40 type deal. And this week, or actually over the last two weeks, well, rates certainly aren't high by any means. We actually saw rates come up. For example, in the five-year U.S. Treasury, uh, yields went from something like 25 basis points, so 0.25%, all the way to like 0.33%. And you might say, well, that, that doesn't really mean that much. Um, but one of the things we'll talk about is uh, with rates this low, your exposure to interest rates, your sensitivity to interest rates is much higher. And so I'm not saying that, you know, bonds are going to crash and they're going to be, uh, you know, you should sell your bonds immediately. I just want you to start thinking about, you know, what it is that bonds do. Are there alternatives? You know, of course, we use bonds as a as a funding source to fund hedges on long equity positions, and I'm much more of a fan of a hedged equity portfolio than I am on, you know, just the classic sixty forty. And other people might say, well, look, you know, you've been saying in, in my book, uh, which came out in 2018. Broken Pie Chart. Of course, I'll put a link to that book in the show notes. You can buy it on Amazon, either in the ebook version, which is, uh, you know, on what is that, the Kindle version. Um, anyway, it's out in ebook, also hardcover. But one of the, the chapters I wrote in that book, and the title of it was actually Why Bonds Past Performance Can't Equal, uh, will not equal, or future results cannot equal past performance or something like that. I forget. It's only been a couple of years. And so we'll explore sort of why that is. So typically, you know, people, as I said, they use bonds in a 60-40 portfolio. And it's the idea that you're cutting the risk and you're dealing with, you know, correlations and, and things like that. So when you think about uh, correlations, meaning... You know, if you own stocks and if you have something that's 100% correlated, it means if, you know, the market goes down 20%, 20%, whatever it is that you're using else in the portfolio, if it's 100% correlation, it also will go down 20%. If you have, and correlations can go from negative one to positive one, meaning, you know, 100% correlated to negative 100% correlated. If you had a negative 100% correlation, you would say, okay, well, if stocks went down 20%, you know, whatever I'm, I'm using with a negative 100% correlation, it would go up 20%. And that would be nice, right? So, you know, a lot of people have been calling for the demise of bonds, you know, specifically government bonds and U.S. government treasuries per se. And the reason why they've been doing that is because when you have a portfolio and you're really not getting much of a, a yield at all. In fact, if we think about just looking at the yield curve, you know, if you bought a, a one-year U.S. Treasury 
it's 0.13% right now. You go out to three years, it's 0.18%. Uh, five years, 0.337, 0. 0.54, 10, 0. 0.78. I'll just give you the 20 year and the 30 year, you know, plus uh, 1.34% and plus 1.57% for the 20 and the 30 year. And, you know, to put that in perspective, even as recently as, you know, the end of 2013, you had 30-year yields just under 40%. You had 20-year yields just under 4%. 10-year yields just over 3%. And so one of the challenges right now, and, and why a lot of people have been saying, look, I don't know that the 60-40 portfolios on a go-forward basis can really get the same type of annualized returns. And we'll get back to the correlations because a lot of people have been saying that, but in, in earlier this year, guess what? Bonds worked again. And they worked, uh, you know, as a flight to safety, but they also worked because the Fed once again brought essentially the, the whole yield curve down and they brought rates back down to, to zero. Now, a lot of people might say, well, look, would I really give the U.S. government my money? Okay, no. I mean, would, the, would I really give the U.S. government my money, i.e. buying U.S. treasuries and put my money in the next 30 years, you know, get 1.57% a year? You say, well, that doesn't seem like it's a great deal because I'm not really getting that much interest. And But then you look and you say, well, wait a second. Is, what does that mean on an after-inflation basis too? For example, in August of 2020, the most recent figure for core CPI, the Consumer Price Index, you know, that went up 1.7%. Uh, food CPI, by the way, was up 4.1%. We've seen some little bit of inflation in, in food. Cruise Energy is down, you know, 9.1%. Those are all annualized, um, annualized numbers. And there, there's different, you know, the headline CPI was up 1.3%. I bring that up because we don't know what certainly, you know, inflation is going to be next month, next year. Everyone has an opinion. But I bring that up because think about it. If you're only getting, you know, 1.3% uh, or, you know, you're only getting 1.57% over the next 30 years and inflation is, you know, just about that, it means your real return is essentially nothing. Uh, in fact, on 20-year or 10-year, if we assume that inflation is going to, uh, you know, continue at the same rate, you have a negative real return. And so... You know, that's, that's significant. Now, when we think about bonds, as I said earlier in the year, it did work. In February, in, you know, we looked at uh, the February and March period uh, back in 2008. And look, I mean, it, you know, bonds have been, people have been saying bonds are done for a while because they, they're simply not, you know, yielding enough. So this is where we get into correlations. And historically, U.S. government treasuries have had a nice negative correlation, or at least, you know, they're, they're not, they haven't been really highly correlated with U.S. equities. In fact, if you look at a correlation to the, the S&P 500, uh, this according to J.P. Morgan's Guide to the Markets, and if we're looking at this, you know, 10-year treasuries, 30-year uh, treasuries, 5-year treasuries, um, they're all roughly, you know, negative zero. 
I mean, they've had a historical uh, correlation of, you know, if the markets were to go up, you would expect those, if markets were up 1%, you might expect those to be, you know, down uh, 0.40%, so four-tenths of 1%. And same thing, if the markets are down, uh, you would expect that, uh, you know, that's, uh, they w- you would actually get some buoyancy from those. You would get a lift from those. So that's, that's held true. Um, and if we look at, you know, if you were trying to, let's say, hedge your investments and you were going to use something like, uh, you know, U.S. corporate bonds, U.S. corporate bonds are, have about a plus 40% correlation, plus 4% correlation. And, you know, by the way, I think this is going back about 15 years based upon monthly returns. So I'll, I'll post a link to this in the, the show notes as well. But if you look at, uh, you know, certainly uh, the correlation, that's, that's interesting. But the challenge gets to what's your holding cost? So if, you, if you're getting a negative real return on these bonds, you're essentially, you know, you're not really being paid above inflation right now. And we don't know what yields are going to do, certainly, but, um, you know, this is somewhat, somewhat problematic. And we go back and people always point to the 1970s, early 1980s, where, you know, a 10-year coupon rate in 1980, you could have gotten paid 12.84%. Of course, inflation was right around there too, maybe even a little higher. But uh, so your real return back then, you know, was not 12.84%. It was something much less. But this gets back into what happens if interest rates were to rise? And I'm not saying they're actually going to rise. Uh, there's a base case or several cases that say they could actually go lower. Um, and it's it's important to know, you know, going back when I wrote the book, I've got a chart in there, historical rates from the Bank of England, 1694 to, I I did it, to 2016. And really rates for the most part stayed between 2 and 6% until you got to the late 1970s, early 80s, and then they've come back down. So that historically, I mean, that, that period was an aberration. It was, uh, it was a bit of an outlier. So, you know, a lot of people say we're going to have hyperinflation and go back to 20%. But if you just look and you understand what happens based upon a change in rates, and we always say, you know, I'll, I'll use an example because this is in the book as well. Um, if rates are two and a half percent and rates go up, you know, a whole percentage point to three and a half percent and, you know, on a, a 10 year maturity bond, uh, or a bond that has a, uh, duration, I'll say, um, not necessarily a maturity. I'll get to that in a second. You would expect, you know, to lose, uh, for that to go down about, you know, 8.4%. Uh, a 30-year bond, or I'm sorry, a 30-year duration would be about, you know, a negative 18.5%. And so I bring up the durations because um, this is a little bit outside of the scope, but your sensitivity to interest rates is, is a combination of the, the length of time until maturity, but it's also the coupon rate, meaning how much do you get paid every six months or on an annualized basis. And when you have really low rates... Uh, the exposure to interest rates, I mean, the change that you'll experience, plus or minus, you know, 1%, is much greater. 
And so when you have rates that are really low, the durations uh, almost catch up to what the actual maturity is. Um, so I, I might do another episode, uh, you know, but if you ever, uh, if you Google modified duration or, um, you know, Macaulay duration, you can do that in Excel. Uh, but my point is, you know, if you have a 30-year bond, it's not necessarily a 30-year duration. So, but interest rates go up, bond prices go down, interest rates go down, bond prices go up. So people point, as I said, to the, the 1970s and early 80s, and they say, wait a second, bonds you know, the total return in 1980 on the 10-year treasury was just under 3%, uh, just under a decline of 3%. And you might say, well, what's remarkable about that? Well, the market value alone dropped almost 16%. So what happens? 1979, Bonds are issued with, you know, 10-year bonds have a, a coupon of about 10.39%. And 1980, interest rates went up by 245 basis points. So they go from 10.39 to 12.84. And you might say, well, that's, wait a second, that's kind of a big jump. How come the loss isn't more? How come they only lost negative 3%? Well, the change in market value alone would be, you know, about uh, uh, negative, uh, you know, 15% change. But remember, you got that, those interest payments of 12.84%. And so a bond's total return in a given year is a combination of any change in market value, plus or minus, and it's the amount of interest or coupon payments that you received. So when you look at something like that, you know, although you had high changes in interest rates, Back in the 1970s, early 80s, your durations were much lower. Your sensitivity to interest rates were much lower. And therefore, your total return uh, was much better because you had those coupon payments to sort of, you know, soften the blow. All right. So, you know, when you look at that, that's an important distinction. So, okay. So what does this mean for uh, on a go forward basis? What does it mean? for portfolios that are in 60-40, you know, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. So recently heard a little bit of, you know, at the end of the decade, people started to make their you know, next decade predictions and they started to talk about, you know, what are equities going to return on an annualized basis? What are bonds going to return? What is 60-40 portfolio? Well, I think this is an important topic because, you know, and again, I'm not saying inflation is going to come back um, or not come back. I mean, there's a, there's a case that rates will go higher. Uh, there's also rates that potentially we could get negative rates in the U.S. at some point. But, um, you know, for now, the main point is that if you've got a, a portfolio, classic portfolio, uh, you've got stocks and you've got bonds and you're not getting much of a coupon payment, not getting much of an interest payment simply because the interest rates are so low, uh, you've got higher sensitivity to interest rates, meaning you've got more risk if interest rates go up. By the way, you have more potential return if interest rates go down from here. Uh, but you've also got you know, your holding cost, meaning the amount you're paid each year to hold these. Now, look, I'm not saying that the correlations are going to break. Um, although, look, I mean, it, there is a case that if we had some spike in rates uh, 
that also caused equities to go down, you could see the correlations break where you'd see bonds selling off at the same time as stocks. Again, I'm not calling for that. Um, this is one of the reasons why I advocate for just being along the market, uh, being invested in the market, but having hedges on, real hedges, um, rather than you know these portfolios. And again, we, we use bonds. We use bonds as a funding source uh, to help pay for hedging costs. But back to the, the whole return uh, on a forward basis, uh, I'll try and find a link to it. And uh, I, I wish I could remember the author's name. As I'm doing this, I, I just sort of thought of it. But uh, there was the, uh, the CFA uh, Charter Financial Analyst. Uh, they run uh, you know, a blog and, and they put out some, some different types of research. And I remember seeing a study that if you look at you know, what, what does a uh, current bonds or government bonds yield? So let's say we take the 10-year and it's yielding, you know, X percent. What would you expect on an annualized basis to, to earn for the next 10 years? I think they had some data that said, given enough time, you probably should expect to earn about, you know, an annualized return somewhere around what the coupon rate is. But really this gets back to the whole idea that Interest rates come down, bond prices go up. If you know nothing else, remember that. And remember that you could have bought a 30-year treasury back in you know, 1981 for something like 15%, 16%. And so when people refer to this unbelievable, you know, not to be repeated bull market in bonds, what they're saying is it's the idea that when you have interest rates coming down, it means bond prices go up. And if you think about going from, you know, 16% down to one and a half percent, you know, if we draw a line from 1981 to the present, it's this idea that how low or how negative would rates have to go to generate the same, you know, uh, uh, wind of the sail, so to speak, to actually get those same returns going forward. And I think Bill Gross had said this in a piece. And again, if I can find, I gotta, I remember this stuff, but I, I got to try and find it if I can post. If I post to it, if I put it in the show notes, I'll certainly do that if I can find it. But one of the things he pointed out was, you know, bonds uh, would probably need to see yields of like negative 17% to try and repeat the same type of bull market that they've seen from 1981. So, you know, it, can rates go negative? Absolutely. Of course they can. The Europe's negative right now. Uh, a lot of the countries in Europe, Japan is negative. Could the U.S. go negative? Yeah, in theory, yes. Uh, but how negative would they have to go to? And you know, p- people also point to, um, and we don't really know what the floor is. You know, people used to think it was a zero-bound floor. Uh, you could only have rates go down to zero. As I said, Japan and Europe, a lot of countries with, uh, if you buy bonds, you have a negative yield to maturity. So rates can go below zero. Could they go to negative 17? I don't know about that. And so that's why a lot of people point to bonds and they say, look, uh, we're already pressing against some sort of floor. Uh, the flip side is rates were low in you know, February and March and bonds did provide an offset. And 2008, they provided an offset. So um, I guess it keeps working until it doesn't work. Uh, but if you understand the risk, don't be surprised if at some point the correlations break. And at some point, uh, you see if interest rates were to, to move materially higher, 
you could see those market values go down. So we've done some episodes in the past on bonds and you can go through the archives. Of course, please, you know, uh, share this with people that you think might be interested, especially people who have not listened to a podcast before rather than rating and reviewing and five-starring. And you can do all that stuff too. But, um, and then also, you know, go ahead and reach out. I love get uh, listener comments. And again, this was a question that came up from someone. And so I thought it was topical. And you might not think that, hey, you know, we went from 25, you know, 0.25% on the five year to 0.33%. And you say, well, that, that doesn't seem very meaningful. And in the grand scheme of things, it's really not, right? But when you think about an eight basis point move, when rates were as low as you know, 25 basis points, that's over a 30% change higher in rates. And you know, a 30% change if rates were at 10% would be rates going from 10% to uh, 13%. So at these low levels, it just gets, you know, the math sort of starts to get a little bit, uh, a little bit interesting. So, all right, folks, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, keep sending comments, suggestions for future episodes, and we'll talk to you all soon.